Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. On the show today, Laurel Brightman and this brand new book called Animal Madness. I'm going to be talking about some of the behavior problems that dogs have or animals have in general. And also, Dr. Marty Becker is back today. Animal Radio veterinary correspondent, Dr. Marty Becker, talking about either pet food myths or oral <laughs> care. We I don't know. know what his topic is today. Either one, it'll be fine. And another coin. great hero. Uh, what are you working on, Joey? I'm going to talk about how fatty um, oils um, can directly or indirectly um, impact your dog's coat and skin. Oh, I would imagine that fatty oils could make it better. So we'll find out in just a few minutes. Am I right? Maybe not. Yeah, you never know. Never you know. never know. Tammy, what are you working on there in the newsroom? We're working on ferrets. Ferret. We've talked about ferrets Uh-oh. last week. Yep. There are four places in the United States that ferrets are illegal, even though you go into any pet store in any of those four places, and they got ferret products galore. <laughs> well, one of those places is thinking this through again, saying, why did we make ferrets illegal again? Ooh. Hmm. Maybe not. I'm going to stick around for that. I think I know who, and I think that'll uh-huh. be a great step forward for ferrets. Yes. You bet. Long live the ferrets. Okay. Love let's, ferrets. Let's hit the phones. Hey, Christian. Hi, how are you? Good. Where are you calling from? Um, well, Los Angeles, but I'm actually in um, Palm Springs. Oh, I live in Los Angeles. So what's going on? So basically, my dog, I have a, I have a puppy. She's about 10 months old. Um, her, she's a Lakeland Terrier, and she's great. She's trained. Um, we've done a lot of training. She's, um, she's, she's a great dog. She does every, you know, does a lot of things really well. The biggest issue that I've had, and I've had from the very beginning when we got her, is that she um, she was crate trained. She seems to go to the bathroom in the crate all the time when I'm gone, um, and it's it, it could be. And I don't leave her for very long. The most longest I've ever left her is about four and a half hours, and usually it, it, could, it could be an hour, it could be an hour and a half, it could be two hours. She seems to go to the bathroom. It's it's uh, she does she does both things. So it's it's sort of. I don't know how to stop it. I've talked to the trainer. I've talked to the breeder, and no one seems to really know what you know what what the problem is. Um, I had done I've been doing a lot of research, and one of the things that I found online that uh, a lot of dogs suffer um, from separation anxiety. I think she could have that, um, but I don't really know what the deal is or what the issue it could be. Hey, you sound like a nervous guy. You sound a little excited and, and like this is really bothering you and, uh, and, and and keeping you up late at night. Is that the way it is for you? Well, you know, it, 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 yeah, it does because, you know, at the same time, she, you know, she's a great dog. She's such a good dog, and I just don't understand, you know, what's sort of going yeah. on, in, you know, in her mind. And obviously she's an animal. I, I, I understand that. But, um, you know, it, it's like if it is separation anxiety, is she nervous? Is that if she's doing it because of nerves, or is it just out of spite? Which I don't think that's really it. I just, yeah, I don't know. No, it does, no. it well, you tell me this. You, you know, Christian, so much of what dogs do is dependent upon what we do. So tell me this: is is she uh, excited and anxious when you leave? Does she have separation anxiety? You would be the one to know that. You know, I don't really notice it. She, she's pretty, she's pretty quiet. But then I have heard when okay. I walk out the door and I'm going into the garage. I hear barking and howling. So yes, obviously. And, she's and so, so you come home. So you come home and she's she's gone to the bathroom in her crate. And then what's the first thing you do? I just sort of look at her and I, you know, I mean, I don't really discipline her too much because I'm, I'm told that you can't really do that once they've, you know, they don't, you don't, you don't catch them. So yes, I know yeah, she, she's just, done it. Yeah. What do you and do? What do you do? And what do you what do you do? And what do you feel? What do you feel? And what do you do? Well, I sort of say to her, you know, I look at her and she knows she gets that look because she's sort of on the ground and she's kind of like 
she's afraid. She realizes she's done something wrong. <laughs> okay, so look at. But I don't. She really, looks I don't, at I your body. I say, I'm sorry. Uh, let me tell you something. The other day, you know, my dog, he uh, he pretty much hangs out all morning long. He's very quiet. My wife sits in her chair. And he's developed this habit where every time my wife sits in his chair, he gets up and he goes to the door and he goes, whoop, whoop. And basically, you know, he makes that sound and he goes to the door when he has to go out. But in reality, he doesn't have to go out. And my wife picked up on this real quick. He decided that, oh, I can control her and I'm going to play this little game now because every time she sits in the chair and I make that sound, she pops back up. So he very uh-huh. cleverly figured out that he could manipulate her, and it only lasted about a, a day or two because she started ignoring him, and that stopped. So okay. much of what dogs do is dependent on what we do. So the first step is you always take your dog to the vet. You make sure there's no problem, uh, physical right. problem with going to the bathroom. The second thing is how old was the dog when you got her? Three and a half months old. Okay, so I don't know what the breeder did, and I don't know what the uh, the person who uh, actually uh, had the pu- had your dog had your little puppy uh, did. But you know, a lot of times when dogs get used to going in the kennel right from the time they're little, because they're left in there for a long time, they're used to going uh, to the bathroom with something under them that's a hard surface or a wired surface. They're used to going in the kennel. They just continue to do that. Now, when mm-hmm. you say your dog knows, when you say your dog knows she did something wrong, she really doesn't know she did something wrong. What she does know is your body language. She knows that you're not happy with her. She can tell that you're not happy. She pretty much probably doesn't know why you're not happy when you catch her going to the bathroom in the kennel, but she knows you're unhappy. So uh, the first thing you got to do is stop worrying so much. Just relax. Calm yourself down. Take a weekend when you're not working, when you're going to be around a lot. You're going to have a lot of time. And what you're going to do is you're going to practice putting her in the kennel and making the kennel a fun place to be while you're there, just leaving the door open. You know, just put her in there, or you can close the door. Put her in there with her favorite toy, or take a rawhide treat, or some treat that, you know, you give her anyway, and put some dog food in it, or something really cool, and freeze it. Put it in the freezer, and then stick it in there with her, and just keep your eye on her. Go about your business. Uh, watch her body language. See if she's just paying attention to you all the time. And if she is, don't pay attention back. Don't talk to her. Don't look at her. It's like you're not even there. Just go about your business. Open the door after an hour. Let her out. And then what you're going to do is, uh, by Sunday, you're going to keep doing this over and over and over again. You know, an hour at a time, an hour and a half at a time, in and out of the kennel. You're going to actually go outside. Go outside of the house for a half hour. Come back. But see if you can peek through the window, because that way you can see if she starts to go to the bathroom. And if she does, you can catch her in the act. And what you want to do is also have a regular structure where you're taking her out to the bathroom on a leash, like every three, four hours. And every time she goes to the bathroom on grass outside, you go, good dog yeah you're gonna teach her that that. you do that i do definitely do all that well, you keep doing that because you want to okay. teach her that the best place to go to the bathroom is always with a sky overhead. The other thing is her kennel can't be too big. If the kennel's big, she can go to the bathroom in it and go to the other side, the opposite end of the kennel, and get away from it. So you kind of want to have a kennel that's just big enough for her to turn around in and, you know, where she can move yeah. her body, but that, not that, big that, enough to where she... Yeah, not to what she has. And- she she has a, she has a small kennel that she could move, but it's not very large. And you know she a lot of times will go will you know defecate and she'll be sitting in it. Um, well, have you it. ever have you ever actually caught her doing it? Have you ever seen her do it? I have not seen her do it. No. Okay. So what you're going to do is you're going to you're going to teach her 
that the best place to go to the bathroom is outside with the sky overhead, and you're going to stop reacting to it. So when you come home, let's say you catch her, or you come home and there's poop in there and there's pee in there, don't say anything, don't look at her, take her outside, put her where she can't see you, clean it up with an enzyme cleaner. Very important because if you don't get rid of the smell, they'll keep going in the same spot just because they smell it, you know, so they'll keep going there too. But... You know, the odds are if your dog has separation anxiety, which it doesn't sound like she does, she's going to follow you around the house. She's not going to let you out of her sight. She's going to be real nervous when you leave, real, real, real nervous, real uptight, real tense, real anxious. So she's just gotten used to going in the in the crate, and that's my guess. My guess is when she was a puppy, she got used to going in the crate, and she's just continuing it. So you're going to teach her that it's not okay to go in the crate. You don't want her to do that. And you're not going to do it with words, and you're not going to do it with human uh you know, interaction, you're going to do it by, by using dog language. And dog language is you got to catch her in the act, and you got to go, uh-uh, no, and you put her outside. Good dog. That's why you need uh-huh. to do it on the weekend. You need to actually okay. hide outside, stare through the window, catch her in the act, run in, grab her and go, no, and take her outside immediately. Okay. All if right. you can't catch her, you can't correct her. Right. you got to be able to correct her. Don't freak out. Just remember, dogs... <laughs> they watch you constantly. They got nothing but time on their hands. And all they do is watch the way you react. They don't listen to you. They watch you. And if you're a calm, compassionate, trustworthy, uh, consistent leader, your dog will follow you and will mellow out and will stop going to the bathroom in the crate. You just got to catch okay. her doing it. And you got to make sure that you train her when you're there. Put her in the crate while you're there and then start leaving the house and coming back in longer intervals. Start with 20 minutes, then a half hour, then 45 minutes. If she hasn't gone, lengthen it over the weekend and keep doing that. And uh, I think you'll be able to easily teach her that going to the bathroom outside is what you want with a sky overhead, not a roof overhead. That's the key. Yes, thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. Big thanks to those that make Animal Radio possible. And underwriting this hour comes from Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. They're also grateful for their all-natural, long-lasting dog chews. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances and lap sitting. Red Barn chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, Talent Cable. Thanks for stopping by. Today we're going to talk about something unpleasant to you and me. Very unpleasant, but totally natural to some dogs. I think you've probably figured out dogs will eat just about anything, including their own you-know. Whoa! And as gross as that sounds, and looks, it's common. Sometimes it can be a sign of loneliness or being bored. Could be anxiety, or maybe your dog is copying other dogs. Sometimes it's because the dog learns that when there's number two around, he gets punished. So he's actually making it disappear so you won't be mad at him. It really doesn't present a problem, except that we hate seeing it. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks like when their dogs give them that their kiss... First thing you can do to try to stop it is to give your dog more attention and lots of exercise. And feed him more than once a day so he has something to look forward to. And also because it'll keep him from getting hungry throughout the day and tempted. Also, pick up after him as quick as you can. Like we said before, he might be cleaning his living space, which is your job. Hey, thanks so much, and as always, get more tips at AnimalRadio.com. Hello, this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio. And I just like everybody to realize that... 
each day you live, you make some difference on the planet and you can choose what kind of difference you're going to make. And hopefully every day you'll try to make the world a little bit better for people, for animals and for the environment. Attention sports fans, now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month. Compared to your cable bill, you can save almost $600 a year. Call right now and sign up for Dish and watch every football game you want. With Dish, there are no boxes to pay, plus get free installation as soon as tomorrow. If you call now. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch your favorite sports and channels on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Be one of the first 100 orders right now and get a free voice remote. Don't miss a single football game all year long and save a ton of money. Get a free voice remote and free installation as soon as tomorrow. But you gotta call All American Dish right now. 800-380-4452 That's 800-380-4452 Ladybug the Studio Stunt Dog wants me to tell you download the Animal Radio app right now. It's free for iPhone, Android, or Blackberry and you can uh, ask your questions of Dr. Debbie, Alan Cable, or Joey Volani straight from the app. It's a free download. Do it now, she says. She's jumping up and down. Her ears are wagging. Hey, Tiffany, how are you doing? Fine. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from today? Reading, Pennsylvania. Reading, PA. Gotta love it. Listening on WEEU. What is happening? How can we help you? Every day. Uh, I'm a cat owner. I have one cat. He's six years old. But we had a thunderstorm the other day, and it was really bad. Our sewer pipes are clogged, so everything gets flooded. And a cat actually rescued a newborn kitten. It can't be more than a week old. Huh. And well, uh, it was raining like, cats and dogs wow. then, huh? It, it, uh, it's doing really good. I have it here, and I'm feeding it uh, evaporated milk, carnation, you know, the milk in a can. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to feed it until I can uh, find a, a good home for it. It, are its eyes open or not open at this point? They're open now, and it's about, uh, can't be more than two weeks old. It's a newborn. Yep, yep. Usually, yeah, puppies and kittens are eyes open between 10 days to 14 days, so yeah. Now, I, I will encourage you, Tiffany, that you need to get kitten milk replacer um, because really every species of animals has certain nutritional requirements, and evaporated milk is not going to meet those needs for a kitten. Um, they actually have a higher uh, fat content um, than a lot of the human milk products that we will take, um, and also that's going to be deficient in, in protein. So it's very easy to find cat milk replacer. Um, you can find powdered or liquid formulas um, at your local pet store, even probably, you know, Walmarts and uh, places like that. They need tarring like my regular house cat. I have an indoor cat. Yes, and that is another great reason why we need to get her on a cat formula. So rather than try to make up and try to make up what you got and to make it more nutritionally sound, if you go to a cat milk replacer, it already has taurine in it. And taurine is an an important amino acid for cats for their eye development, neurological development, and without it, they can definitely have some um, abnormalities. Um, so, yeah, and I would say, you know, if you don't already have a little um, uh, baby bottle, uh, you know, we have a little kitten and puppy milk. Uh, okay. Well, well, great. Then all you got to do is get just... cat milk good for kittens? It's in a purple aseptic carton at Whiskas Milk. 
No. We're not looking for adult cat milk, so those are treat yeah. milks. You need to find a neonatal or a kitten formula. Any sugar, anything with sugar, just plain cane sugar, bad for cats and kittens? Yeah, we don't we don't feed cats or kittens sugar. So, and you won't have to do much reading of labels. All you got to do is go over to that cat cat aisle, find the kitten milk replacer, and everything's going to be in there that you're going to need for right now. Now, once the kitty gets to about three weeks, that's when we start to incorporate some canned food with the kitten milk replacer, and we'll take a little bit of the canned food, a little bit of the kitten milk, and kind of add it together. So it's almost like a little bit of a watered down oatmeal, and you can encourage that by feeding that on your finger. Um, you can put that in a little saucer, let the kitty drink that. Um, but at this point, you know, you ought to be feeding that baby golly every couple hours. <laughs> so I'd want to make sure that we're feeding her. And then right afterwards, you know, hopefully about stimulating her and, and cleaning her backside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know all that. Now, how many ounces of milk do they need a day? Well, it's going to depend on their weight and where they're at. So most kittens will gain about... 10 to 15 grams of their body weight per day. So, you know, it's going to depend on where the kitty is at this point. And by two weeks of age, I'd say, you know, we are eating about 70, 80 milliliters per pound of their weight. So um, that's the other thing is we want to make sure with kittens or puppies, if you're hand raising them, that we're weighing them twice a day and making sure we're doing positive gains. If we're not, that's a symptom of illness, and that may precede you noticing anything wrong with the kitten and uh, maybe making sure that she's, you know, keep continuing to gain. Now, I did mention, just for those who didn't know what we are talking about when we talked about cleaning the backside, puppies and kittens, when they're newborns, don't have the ability to urinate and defecate on their own. They're stimulated by their mother. So we, as the surrogate mother, have to clean that area. So I usually use a, a damp wash rag and basically try to gently rub the hindquarters, um, the anal and the urinary opening after they eat. And that helps to stimulate them to urinate and defecate. And without that, they'll get all bound up. Uh, so they're more or less just like any other baby, a human baby, every two hours. And they cry when they're hungry. Uh, I have one more question, quick. Are they more or less like how a bird is? If you find a baby bird falling out of the nest after a storm and it's abandoned, once a human touches it, the mother won't uh, come back for it? Not necessarily, no. So that's not not likely the case. Now, if you had a storm, I would certainly be worried that mom and or any other babies might be disoriented or lost in in the weather. So if you didn't find a mom nearby and you've checked around and no neighbors heard anything, then I think you did the right thing taking this little one in. And especially, um, you know, neonatal kittens and puppies, they just can't keep their body temperature up. So it is important to make sure that you're providing some um, outside source of warmth. Preferably, I like, you know, hot water bottles um, or heat lamps. Um, I prefer those over heat and pads because you can get hot spots on those and burn them. Dr. Debbie, yes. I'm just wondering, I like give it to the mother and she turns away and don't take it. Is that like, a, or let me uh, say it vice versa, if I would find the mother and give it to her, will the mother take the kitten back? Potentially. It, and it depends on, you know, if that mom is, um, if she's tame, if she's feral, um, you know, if she's in good health, if she has the other babies. So it's possible. Um, if you, I don't know that I would spend an immense amounts of time if the cat's not in the immediate surrounding, um, you know. I put it down in the middle of the tree, then on the, the sidewalk, and it wouldn't take it, I'm thinking, because it didn't have anywhere to go with it. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, I think you've done a good thing, and, and hopefully this little one will continue to thrive and, and get this kid on the right food. And uh, 
um, you know, we'll see how she can do with that. Thanks yeah, for your... thank you. I appreciate your help. I'm going to put an ad in the paper to put her up, find her a, a good home. And I appreciate your help. I didn't know where to go. Thank you very much. God bless you. You're a blessing. Well, well thank you, Tiffany. You're awesome. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you're trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1584-877-247-1584-877-247-1584. This is an Animal Radio News Update. Tammy Trujillo, we start out with a ferret fact. The Centers for Disease Control now says ferrets are docile and cat-like. That being said, there are four places in the U.S. where it is illegal to own a ferret. The states of California and Hawaii, along with Washington, D.C., and all five boroughs of New York City. They're legal in the rest of New York, just not in the five boroughs of New York City. But now, I mean, really, figure this out, okay? (laughs) This is crazy. But New York is now considering overturning the 15-year ban on ferrets. New York's health department has said ferrets pose no serious risk to the public. So there will now be a series of public hearings, a comment period, then the full Board of Health will vote in September. Then it's up to the mayor. He says he's not advocating overturning the ban, but he certainly is willing to consider it if the board sees no problem. Overall, if you took a poll, the city's basically split. 39% pro-ferret, 42% against them for some reason. All right, when you hear about heartworm, when you hear that word, you automatically think about dogs, right? But news out of Texas A&M University says although cats are less susceptible to heartworm infection, they can still get it. Heartworm disease is transmitted to an animal through the bite of a mosquito carrying the heartworm larva, which eventually settles into the blood vessels of the lungs or within the actual heart itself. Heartworm infestation in cats, way harder to diagnose than in dogs. There are no specific tests yet either, like there are for dogs. Signs associated with the first stage of heartworm disease in cats are often misdiagnosed as asthma or allergic bronchitis when they're in fact due to a syndrome that's newly defined as heartworm-associated respiratory disease or HARD. There are also no products in the U.S. approved yet for the treatment of feline heartworm infection. There are four preventative products available, though, and just like in dogs, it's imperative to make sure the cat does not already have heartworms before you use the preventative treatment or you're in a lot of trouble here. Well, I hate to talk about animals as fads, There are certain breeds of dogs that are falling out of fashion, it seems. Vet Street looked through its database of thousands of pet records, found 10 breeds that were really popular 10 years ago, but not so much today. The breed losing favor the fastest, one of my personal favorites, the Greyhound. Now, some of the others are kind of out there, too, like the perennial firehouse dog, the Dalmatian losing favor, and the Cairn Terrier. Also on the list, the English Cocker Spaniel and the adorable little silky terrier. 
I like them all. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This has become my favorite part of Animal Radio now, the Hero People segment. I'm so delighted that there are so many people that are helping the animals out one way or another. If you want to nominate someone for this segment, send us an email, yourvoice at animalradio.com. Yourvoice at animalradio.com. So nominate somebody if you know, and it doesn't have to be they're helping thousands of pets. It could be one single pet. We want to highlight the people that are doing It doesn't even have to be a animal. pet. It could be just a, a, wild, a wild animal, animal caught in a trap or something that somebody helped. It we want to know. Anything. Yes. Just people that gone out of their way to do go above and beyond. And today we have Linda Sperlin-Dominic. She is one of the founders of the Guardian Angels for Soldiers Pets. Hi, Linda. How are you doing? Just fine. How are you? Good. Where are we calling you today? What state? Uh, I'm in Texas. Texas. They make them big there, don't they? They I, sure do. <laughs> the animals, I understand, are even big there. So tell me, you're the founder of this Guardian Angels for Soldiers Pets. What do you guys do? Well, our primary purpose is helping our deploying military service members uh, going into to a combat or designated combat area, peacekeeping, humanitarian-type missions. So when you say help them, and i got to get this right, I don't know how you're helping them. You're taking care of their pets while they go into service? Uh, part of it, uh, one of the programs is our foster home program. Okay. Uh, where we have uh, individuals or families that have registered with us, been vetted, uh, to care for the pets that are submitted through our organization uh, during a specific foster term, which could be anywhere from three months to a year, depending on the situation. And then we have a military pet assistance fund, which is helping primarily right now or trying to help our homeless veterans with pets. So they are current on shots, spay neutered, microchipped before they're actually placed into one of our foster homes. Mm, is this a national organization? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. All 50 states. Have you ever rejected any pets? Do you accept all pets? Do you ever have horses or anything that you can't uh, We accept domestic animals, um, compa- primarily companion animals, dogs, cats, rabbits, horses, snakes, <laughs> guinea well, pigs, gerbils. Give me an example of a, like, a current case. Well, right now, most of, our com- or most of our submissions for the deploying have been related to peacekeeping. A year in South Korea, mm-hmm. uh, special ops. Uh, which we don't really know where they're going. Um, so you'll hold on to the dog, or you'll have one of your foster families hold on to the dog for a year? Yes. That's amazing. And yep, how is we, this paid for? Most of the foster home costs to us uh, are primary for recruiting foster homes. Uh, the actual pet care cost uh, is cared for by the pet owner, the same as if they were here. So there's no charge for the service for us to provide it as far as that goes, but they they still are responsible for the regular pet care-related costs during that foster term. Not all of our servicemen return. What happens in that particular situation? Well, uh, fortunately, we've been, or luck, fortunately, we've been very lucky that has not happened to us. Good. Um, that's the, you know, good news. If there was something to happen, uh, we have the commander or his whoever 
of the unit uh, has our contact information, would call here to our national office if there was a problem, like the pet owner got, you know, wounded mm-hmm. or uh, <laughs> hopefully yeah. not paid the ultimate sacrifice, um, then they would contact our national office here. How many animals do you have in the foster facilities at one time? Well, in the foster homes, keep in mind, we have no physical facilities. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, these are all, these pets are goes into individual foster homes. Right now, currently, we have 33 in foster wow. uh, since the first of the year. That is about one-third less than we, <laughs> or about two-thirds less than what we normally have at this time. But, of course, deployments are down. Was there anything that prompted you to start this organization? Well, I had heard of a, a deploying soldier, single soldier, in outside of Toledo, Ohio, that was deploying and um, went was me and another lady were working to get the animal from Toledo to Hot Springs, Arkansas, to her home. The other uh, lady that, that helped started this, Carol Omito, because uh, she was in the animal rescue world, and she said she would keep the dog at her home. Uh, I guess remembers because the dog's name was Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> so he always sticks in my mind. Fortunately, a lady closer to where the soldier was in Toledo raised her hand and said, I'll be glad to take care of your pet and give him back to you when you return. So everybody says, oh, well, that's taken care of. We don't have to worry about it. And, of course, I'm one of these people that, you know, learned a long time ago. If there's one, there's more. So I started doing Internet search and deploying deployments, animals, and started finding where all across the country major deployments at that time, half of them were having to leave their pets behind primarily the single soldiers, because they had nobody, you know, married soldier, or military person. Um, you know, they got the wife and the kids to take care of the dog. Um, rare occasion, due to major medical, the spouse or a child in the family, then they may need us. Um, but our mission is, is primarily trying to help those single military service members and what they call dual military Husband and wife were both in the military, and back in 05, 06, and 07, they were deploying almost at the same time, even though they were in different units, because everybody was deploying. Now it's quieted down. Wow, you know, it's something that you, that I would have never thought about, but, you know, you really shed a lot of light on it for me right now, thinking about how many people that have to that are in the military that have to be deployed, that have pets, and, and have nowhere to put them, and it's really not something that I've, I've, I've thought about much, and wow, it's, this is great. It's great of you. Yeah, there there is a lot of situations the military run into that, that in the early days, as I call it, of the organization, they hadn't, you know, really had the thought of it, and then they learned, ooh, I don't even have a pet plant. What do, what do I do with Rover? Sure, you know? sure. So since then, a, a lot of the bases, they have workshops, and, and they'll say, you know, they'll ask the simple question, do you have a pet plant? What are you going to do if you receive orders that you're going to Germany for three years and the animal you have is not allowed in Germany? Well, Linda, you are doing fabulous work. I want to give out the website. It's Guardian Angels for Soldiers 
pet.org. And we'll put links over at animalradio.com. You are a 501c3, so I'm, I assume you're accepting donations. Oh, yes, sir. That's the only way we are able to survive, and that's getting harder and harder every day. <laughs> and while you are our hero person of the week, I have a feeling that there's a lot of people that uh, you work with that make this all happen that are also heroes. Oh, yes. I have, not counting the approximately 3,100 registered potential foster homes in wow. our network, We have 25 what we call administrative support volunteers stretched out all across the country. It takes a village. Uh, It it sure does. And, and, you know, some people are going, how do you handle 50 states with 14 volunteers? I go very carefully. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your dish-authorized retailer now. 800-380-4452. 800-380-4452. That's 800-380-4452. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. What are you working on, Tammy? Well, you know, in Japan, they recently, about a year ago, put a law into effect that it's a legal obligation if you adopt a pet that you are going to commit to that pet for the rest of its life, which I think is fantastic. Now, the first Japanese nursing home for elderly dogs. Oh, you got to love that. Wow, how exciting. Mm-hmm. What, so what basically what is this is this a new law that they're saying that they that they have to keep the pet um, for the pet's lifetime they can't just discard a, an animal because it's old they adopt the that's animal cool. and they now make a commitment isn't that fantastic Th- that's pretty cool I mean as long as they're taking care of it I mean um, yeah. I mean that, I guess that would be the important factor in it that there's no abuse going on and, and right and, and I, that, I think what know, they're they trying to, it, to do is stop this damn senior dumping stuff. That I know with rescue, we see it so often where, you know, here comes this 12, 15, 18 year old cat or dog just dumped at the shelter. Don't want it anymore. It's old. I don't, I don't understand that. I mean, I mean if, no, if you go on, no. it's funny thing about social media is it really brings an awareness of what goes mm-hmm. on with these pets though, now. I mean, because you see that a lot. I mean, every other dog that's being posted on there, and mainly thank God for the rescues. The rescues, you know, you'll see yes. this is a 15 year old dog surrendered by its owner because, mm-hmm. um, because the dog, you know, is old. And they showed, mm-hmm. and you see the picture of the dog and, and, and you can see that there's definitely, it's definitely distressed at this point. It's standing in the oh, corner sure. looking at the wall and going what happened you know, it's not what fair. i do yeah we we just got a cat here the other day 15 year old cat couple had had the cat since it was a kitten and the husband died and the wife was not partial to the cat and said no husband's gone you're gone too cat and this beautiful 15 year old sweetest darn cat in the universe is at our home now and we're going to love him for however much long he's got but thinking how I, I don't know how they're so disposable. It just is beyond my comprehension. That's terrible. But Japan's definitely got the right idea. I hope, uh, hope another, a lot of other countries, including here in the U.S., maybe take note of this. Pamela, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Good. Where are you today? Today I'm in South Carolina. I'm from Indiana, and I'm an over-the-road truck driver. Well, welcome to the show. I have Dr. Debbie right here. Hi. Yes. And I'm a fellow Hi. Hoosier, too, by the way. <laughs> well, great. That's wonderful. I have two questions. I have a uh, three-and-a-half-year-old Cocker Spaniel, and he's has just on the last week and a half excessive tearing, and it's kind of okay. a white mucus, and it's just uh, more than normal. 
Okay. And is he doing anything else with his eyes? Rubbing, scratching, squinting them, anything like that? No. And as far as has he been on medications, anything else involving the eyes, respiratory system, anything like that? The only thing new for him is that we did put him on blue uh, dog food, but he's not having any other reactions with that. No stool change to speak of or anything. He's Mm -hmm. adjusted that pretty well. But we've been trying to clean him with fresh water, you know, about three times a day. Mm -hmm. But um, I didn't know if that's something we should be concerned about or if it's just a change in weather well i'm not terribly troubled by what you're describing and what i kind of classify as normal eye goo <laughs> eye boogers if we'll talk about that kind of thing on the air i guess um we can typically see in dogs a, a dry kind of a crusty brown which is normal and some dogs will see kind of a, a mucus so like kind of a grayish whitish booger, if you will. Um, so those can be normal variations for dogs. What I don't like to see are going to be things that are yellow, green, kind of truly more of a, uh, can I say hawker? Yeah. <laughs> I guess I can, well, <laughs> but more like a boogery booger. Like um, that is a bad eye booger. Um, that tells us more about infection, um, something else going on in there. Um, and now if we're having a lot of water tearing, that can be a sign of um, either irritation or something else going on within the eye itself. So it's a little challenging to say from what you're describing. Um, if it's a pattern beyond the norm, anytime I see that, um, you know your dog and you know what's normal for your pet. If this is veering beyond that, uh, it might be worthwhile looking at. But in general, um, uh, the pattern of whitish um, eye mattering isn't always a bad thing. Thing. So um, I'd really be looking for other signs that there could be some problems, scratching, rubbing, redness, any of those type of things. No, it just seems to bother us more than it does him. <laughs> just, <laughs> we have to look at it. <laughs> but other than uh, that, I gotta tell you, I'm. I'm with you. I am an eye booger person. So any pet that comes into my hospital, it's kind of like I can't control it. I'm sitting there examining the dog, and my fingers kind of work towards the eye and wipe the eye booger out. It's just something I've been doing since I've been a kid, and I, I don't know. It's a quirk. <laughs> so I'm with you. I do that, too. That's really weird that somebody else actually mentioned that they do that. one 405 8405 Thanks for your call, Pamela. Good luck on that. Well, can I ask you one more thing? Sure. Well, uh, we also have two cats that we're trying to convert to uh, a more holistic food, and we've tried them on Solistic and also on Blue. One cat takes to it. The other one has been like two weeks now and hasn't eaten. At what mm-hmm. point does that become abusive and we should put her back on our dry food? She hasn't eaten for how long? She hasn't had any dry food or she hasn't eaten any of the uh, new canned food in almost two weeks. Oh. Holy crap. I'm sorry. That, She's that's a bad. cat. She's about 23 pounds. Okay. That's so a problem. She- yeah. And if you're doing a food change or in any other situation, a cat that does not eat for two to three days, does not eat anything, that is a medical problem. You need to go see your vet. Um, cats cannot go long periods of time without eating. And this is opposite than dogs. Dogs can go days, weeks if they had no food and they can survive. A cat, if they do not take in any nutrition orally, they can go into a problem called hepatic lipidosis. And it's basically where their liver goes into a shutdown. And overweight cats are very prone to this. So I would say if that is accurate and you're sure your kitty hasn't eaten anything for that time frame, you need to take them to the vet because that could be a real problem. 
So in the meantime, I need to get her back on her dry food then also. Yeah. If you've switched the food and she doesn't have access to what she liked or what she's familiar with, I would offer that. But if she doesn't go to that immediately, I would take her right to the vet. Okay. All right. I will do that. Thank you for your call today, Pamela. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Uh, if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie, dog trainer Alan Cable, or Joey Villani, now's the time to call. Now, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Laurel Breitman. She's written a book on animal madness, how anxious dogs compulsive parrots and elephants in recovery help us understand ourselves hmm. and she'll talk a little bit about the drugs that are used like uh, prozac for animals and valium too. valium too yes. really i didn't know they used valium for animals yeah good to know well you've seen him on the dr oz show he's the author of 22 books that have sold more than 7 million copies combined including three New York Times bestsellers. And best of all, he's the animal radio veterinary correspondent, Dr. Marty Becker. How are you doing? Oh, friends, good. You know, today I was writing an article about five things that I did today that non-pet owners would probably find disgusting. Uh-oh. <laughs> and an, an example is uh, I saw the dog eating horse manure. So she comes out there and I go, oh, you's a bad girl. Oh, you's a bad girl. And she gives me a big old kiss on the side of the cheek, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. And then then picking eye boogers. Like my wife and I, I'll get these tiny little white eye booger in the corner and she goes, oh, God, get it. I said, get it for me. No. Oh, gross. And yet I see her, the dog's down there and she's casually looking it over like these monkeys you see at the zoo where they're picking stuff off of it. She's just prying the eye boogers off of it doesn't care a bit you know that's me Uh, yeah other things that we do for our animals i think we should talk about the pet food myths well let me tell you what's happened when i was uh got out of veterinary school in 1980 you know we were we learned some things about pet food about nutritionally balanced and complete and some of that stuff has never changed you know pet diets can be made up of a variety of ingredients and they could have meat or meat byproducts grains of different kinds various sources of vitamins and minerals and preservatives. But what's important is that it contains everything it needs. Now, a, a dog's food needs 44 essential nutrients, and a cat's food needs 48 essential nutrients, which means you can feed cat food for a dog if you want. Sometimes if an older dog's kind of lost their appetite, we'll actually recommend that, and they'll do just fine on it, although they tend to gain weight yeah. on it because it's really palatable. That's the but one thing that we try not to do with our dog is let them eat the cat food because she'll put on all kinds of pounds if she does. All kinds of pounds. But you can't feed dog food to a cat. We still have people do this because they'll buy one kind of food, and there's especially one of these essential amino acids called taurine that's not in dog food, and cats can actually go blind from it. So 
you, you can't feed dog food to a cat. But here, what, what's happened is I can remember literally when the, the pet food section in the grocery store, in, the, in a pretty good-sized grocery store, was eight feet long. And then it went up to 16 feet. And now it's both Huge. sides of the aisle. Yes. And then you go into Petco or PetSmart or one of these stores, and it's bewildering the number of choices. And I had to have somebody prove this to me, but there are now foods that are $20 a pound for kibble. It's $160 for an eight-pound bag of food. Wow. And so you see these people, and the reason I wanted to talk about this, you see these people that go in there and they'll look at these beautiful packaging. I mean, there's this wolf (laughs) devouring this elk on the front of it, and... And there's a salesperson there on the weekends from these pet food companies, and they have them do this test. You know, put your food up against this, and it's all it's all designed like the three card money in New York. You know, where you put the ball under the sh- ping pong ball under the shells and move it around. And oh, pretty soon it's oh my gosh, I've got to feed it. I just have to find the money to do it. So what people will do is they'll they'll spend money, and I'm going to say waste money on pet food that they could be better using to look after their their pet's health. So l- let's start with this. There was a recent article, six veterinary nutritionists at veterinary colleges. You're not going to get much more authentic than that. Uh Not a single one, not six veterinary nutritionists at six veterinary schools had ever seen a case of a nutritional deficiency come into the hospital. Okay. Which that means, that means there's millions of dogs and cats that are successfully fed diets that some people would turn their nose up at. They'd go buy a, you know, a discount store or a big box store or a pet store and think, oh gosh, that's so much less. I shouldn't feed that. They do just fine on it. And one of the new things we see now too is people talking about fillers. This is used with fillers. And they say it's, you know, it's got corn or it's got this in it that fillers. And what people will do is try to go, you know, really it's kind of a, what would you say, a highly colored and emotionally charged language. And it's maybe unconsciously, but it has the effect of provoking an emotional response and getting you to switch from, you know, from a, you you form a biased opinion and you spend this money that you don't need to spend. Yeah. Well, so are you saying we don't need to spend the money? Because I know, for instance, uh, Judy, you had a cat that lived on Friskies for what, 17 17 years? years. Had no problems. Friskies. Yeah. Yet I am. I won't put anything in my cat's mouth that I won't eat myself. Well, it, it's it's really funny within our group that write together. You know, we write a syndicated column. And I've written twenty four books. Uh-huh. I fed commercial food my entire life. I have two seventeen year old cats that uh, that eat meow mix. <laughs> They've yep. never been to the vet. Uh-huh. I have I have a, a, a fourteen year old golden retriever that's never been to the vet. She's lean. She's active. She's cancer-free so far. Uh, I have other people at work that cook for their their pets with something that they would eat themselves, which is fine. Mm -hmm. And somebody else that uses a commercial raw diet, which is fine. What I just don't want to see people do, though, is think you have to spend this incredible amount of money to feed your pet because it's going to really dramatically help its health because it's not. And also to think, well, you can't feed food that has corn in it. You can't feed food that has wheat in it. I need to go to a grain-free diet. Uh, These grain-free diets, all they're doing is really substituting one carbohydrate source for another one. It's not that it's, it's better. Now, now some pets, you have to understand, will have a food allergy to something. Then there is some benefit to switching foods sometimes as recommended by your veterinarian. But there's, uh, you know, basically, if it's complete, which means it contains all the necessary nutrients, if it's balanced, which means it contains the nutrients in the proper portion, if it's tasty, 
which is palatable enough to be eaten and digestible enough so all the nutrients can get into the body and safe to eat. You remember that from the pet food recall. You can feed you can feed a food that's uh, you know two dollars a pound. It's, they're going to do most of them are going to do just fine. Isn't there like a certification that we look for on the side of the package? And, and yeah, if that's if that's yes, on there, you, yeah, okay. If if it has the AFCO, it's called the Association of American Food uh, Feed Control Officials uh-huh. AAFCO. If that's on the package, uh, it's okay to feed. Now, wow. now one thing, one thing too. I want to want to make this clear. People can certainly cook for their own pets. Uh, we went through this for the pet food recall, and some. Uh, I remember a company at the time wanted me to tamp it down, you know, and say, "No, you can't feed your pet." Heck, if my if my daughter can cook for her four and a half year old grandchild, you can cook for a pet. It's just not as easy as some people think. And although these six veterinary nutritionists that had never seen a case of nutritional uh, deficiency, all of them had seen many cases of nutritional excesses. So that's the person that has the chihuahua that will only eat chicken breast. So that's where, you, that's where you run into problems. So you can talk to your veterinarian for a recommendation of a book or an online place to help you create diets. Uh, again, there are other kind of diets that are you know commercially available that are raw. But for most people... I like them to feed a dry food that's, uh, you know, commercial food that's uh, able to use in a food dispensing puzzle or treat so we can get them to kind of work for their food to not just feed the body but feed the mind. All good stuff. Very good to know. I, uh, I don't think I personally will change my shopping habits, but interesting. What do you think about this, Dr. Debbie? Well, I agree with a lot of what he said. And I, I have to say, though, I have seen a thiamine deficiency in a home-fed, uh, a cat that was fed uh, two products from home. It was not cat food, um, but the cat liked it. So he felt that those two items, one was cereal, <laughs> human cereal, <laughs> and I can't remember what the other was. But the cat actually did develop a clinical thiamine defi- deficiency, which but that responded. Yeah, that wasn't, in particular, it wasn't like old Roy. It was... It was food that was just off the table that wasn't designed for the animals. No, it was human food that yes. the guy thought I like it, so my cat yeah. likes it, so it's good for him. <laughs> so, yeah. and I do agree no. that you know the grain-free movement. It it is a movement, and I think it's kind of a catchphrase a lot of people are grabbing onto for their own health. And that uh, very commonly, it's more the beef or the chicken in that previous food that the pet may have a food allergy to. It's not really the the grains that they've had a reaction with. So, she she, she said it, she said it perfectly. It's often it's not the grains. It's the it's the protein source in the meats. And here, here's why i'm so passionate about this and i think dr deb would agree these people will spend this incredible amount of money on this food but they'll neglect other important things in their pet's health because uh-huh. it's not in the budget so you you feed something that's 80 90 dollars for this tiny bag and yet you delay getting their teeth cleaned mm-hmm. and and this is something else by the way i was taught back when early on you know back 30 years ago that dry food helped keep their teeth clean that's actually not true uh dry food and canned food are about the same semi-moist does cause an increase in plaque and tartar uh the high protein diets do not cause kidney disease either uh and just feeding lamb and rice diets don't prevent allergies they were initially thought to address these allergies you know to because there were novel proteins that weren't chicken and beef but a lot of these things go back to a skin problem too they think there's a skin problem they go into the pet store and they say if you feed this it'll get rid of it and and dr deb and i know often these are environmental allergies and instead of spending money on that hundred dollar bag of dog food go to your veterinarian for a pockwall this new drug that, that works like a miracle to stop these pets from biting, chewing, licking, scratching, and itching. And then you've got your treatment and your cure. Mm. All good information. Dr. Marty Becker, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, friends. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app. 
for iPhone and Android. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Hi, it's Alan Cable. Welcome to The Mess. Here's today's great dog story. You're going to love this. Olivia Sievers is a flight attendant that flies a lot from Germany to Argentina. She spotted a stray dog outside of her hotel in Buenos Aires. She was drawn to him, spent a couple of minutes, and then thought nothing about it. But every time she came into town, the dog appeared to be waiting for her and would follow her around wherever she went. Looks like this dog knew who he wanted. Anyway, she arranged for him to be taken to a shelter and adopted. Some folks did adopt him, but the dog escaped the home and went back to the hotel. So Olivia decided she would adopt the dog and take him back home. You know, some dogs and people are just magical. This is Animal Radio, baby. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten free. Ah, uh, let's see. Dee, 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 uh, Tina, how are you? Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. How can we help? You? Well, I adopted a cat oh, about a year ago, and he's a mixed Maine Coon. He's neutered. He's an absolutely wonderful boy until this last couple months, and he started pulling his hair out towards his hind end. Now, he's not bald by any means, but he's pulling it around his tail, around his back end, and you can feel these little scabs. So I took him to the vet, and they ran blood tests. They checked everything. He's not hurting. He's not nothing. They think it's behavioral. So how do I make him stop doing this? Because it's tufts of hair everywhere. Yeah, and it's only on the, like, on his rump area. Is it anywhere else on his body? His rump area and the base of his tail now he's he's probably about 25 pounds so I, I, and and he gets brushed daily i mean there's no matting i i cannot figure this boy out okay. as to why he's doing this okay so you you brought up some things that your veterinarian has already screened for things like pain um undiagnosed pain can definitely cause cats to do something like that as well as other type of health problems internally bladder problems I would look on the outside, and I'm assuming also they looked for things like fleas, um, types of skin mites, and ringworm. Those kind of things also come to mind with a kind of a patchiness and an itchiness back there. You know, and then if everything else on a diagnostic workout has turned up clean and we can't find a good medical reason for this, then there's kind of two different avenues that I would look at. One would be I would work on the possibility of allergies. And food allergies, seasonal allergies, they can all get mixed up together in how they affect the body. But animals tend to chew, scratch, lose hair while we're off having hay fever signs. Um, So things that you can try in the meantime would be a food allergy trial. And basically going to a type of a diet that is geared for a pet with a skin problem. And what they basically will be is two different methods, what we call a novel protein, which means it's based out of ingredients that the kitty's never really seen before. And hopefully they are not allergic to things like rabbit, duck, um, very unusual things that they might have in their world. And you try a food trial with that for about four to eight weeks. There's some other diets 
diets called hydrolyzed protein diets. And I find a lot of kitties with some of these weird skin problems, that's the first thing that I like to do before we get into medications and uh, things like that. So that I would definitely recommend. Now, if we were suspicious about allergies, in some cases we'll use medicines like steroids to give them a, a try to see if we see an improvement with that. And that might be something, if everything is checked out clear, that y- you may want to consider that as well. Okay. Now, there, there's another whole class of skin problems that I look at, and they're called psychogenic alopecia. And it basically makes it almost sound like it's a mental illness. <laughs> but... In, in a sense, it kind of is. There are some cats that have a behavioral-driven problem where they over-groom and self-mutilate almost. Um, for those kitties, we try a lot of different remedies from anti-itch medicines, steroids, to seizure medicines, behavioral medicines. And it, a lot of kitties will just kind of jump around and try different things until we find something that works. So either I'd say the allergy aspect or the this, this psychogenic alopecia would be the different directions I might be looking here for your baby. Okay, that sounds great. I will try them. Hey, Joey, how are you doing? Hey, I got a um, I got a pretty um, cool tip to talk about because it just happened to come up. When I had this wound, I had a German Shepherd, and a lot of people like to add fatty acids, um, usually fish oil or um, any type of. You, you can go into any um, pet store and you can find these additives that that you'll put in your pet's food. And a lot of people think that when their dog has dry skin, it's going to help to take the dandruff away. And in most cases, it doesn't. Now, some cases it will, but in most cases, it does not. This particular person um, had their dog on a pretty decent diet that was doing well, and she just started to notice that the dog was getting flaky. So she started adding um, fish oil. She thought that it was clearing up, and then about six months later, it progressively had gotten worse. Um, Hmm. Took the dog to the veterinarian. They um, really couldn't find the problem. Now, a lot of times the problem is is when you're adding excess oil, what it does, it's going to clog up the, the, the pores of the skin because oh. it's, it's, if, it, if the dog isn't using it, it has to release it somehow. So it, it's going to come out in, in two ways. Either it's going to come out in the stool or it's going to come out through the skin. Now, there's a big misconception that dogs don't have skin paws. They do. They just don't sweat through them. But they have they have paws just like um, everything else. And it's funny because I was at a show not too long ago. For, for those of you that uh, are on the West Coast, he's saying pores, I believe, P-O-R-E-S. Pores. Yeah, not paws, P-A-W-S, pores. <laughs> wanted to okay. translate. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Listen, okay, it's, it's that East Coast accent. What can pause. I Pause, pores. Um, what happens is, is I was at this show, and they had this gentleman there that had this new um, machine and it was called a micro um, bubble machine and basically what it does it it, um, it it breaks the molecules of the water down smaller than they normally are and it gets down into the skin and pushes everything out well through a microscope he was showing how fatty oils get caught up in the skin and how this removes it and then you could start over but to eliminate that because unfortunately not too many people have this technology yet and to purchase the technology for groomers is rather expensive being that the unit itself costs eight thousand dollars yeah and and a lot of veterinarians um don't have that don't have the technology yet so what you want to do is basically just start eliminating the fatty acids. I'll give you a good example. Did you ever see the um, the guy that 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 um has really bad dandruff when you look at his head and his hair is real real greasy? Yeah. Okay. Yes. It's not. It's that's. It's not dry skin. It's just. It's it, it's shedding skin cells um, because there's a problem, and it could be an overabundance of oil. Well, it's the same thing with with your dogs. 
and in a lot of cases, eliminate the excess fatty oils that you're putting in there. And I think you're going to have a healthier skin and coat, which, of course, in turn, is going to make the dog look much better, you know, for grooming purposes. What about foods? Should you be feeding dry foods or, or uh, moist foods? Does one or the other make the coat nicer? You know, it, it, it's so funny. It doesn't matter. And the theory right now is that wet food is a little bit more beneficial than dry food um, from what I'm hearing. And that all has to do how as well as the quality of the product that you're buying. If you yeah. buy garbage, you're going to get garbage. Absolutely. All of us here at Fido Friendly Magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite Fido. We know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side. Start daydreaming now and visit FidoFriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's FidoFriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and leave no dog behind. This is an Animal Radio News Update. And I'm Tammy Trujillo. A Japanese pet company is opening a nursing home for elderly dogs. This is fantastic. The Aeon Pet Facility provides round-the-clock veterinary care, a specialist gym, and a swimming pool. It also has a large grooming room, and owners are able to stay with their animals as they live out the last of their days in luxury. The president of the company says he intends to use the first dog retirement home to hone the company's skills and establish an industry standard. Aeon Pet is already the largest specialty pet company in Japan. and In the past few years, health services in Japan have really improved. Just last year, new laws went into effect in that country that make it a legal obligation for pet owners to take care of their animals until that pet dies. Well, quick two two questions for you. Do you know where your smartphone is and do you know where your puppy is? Some 28 million Americans say they have had at least one of their digital devices destroyed by a pet. That is according to a new survey from Square Trade. Four out of ten say their pets gnawed through the power cord. Yeah, I'm one of those. One in three say their pet chewed their phone to pieces or uh, did something else to make it rather unusable. I'm going to leave that one to your imagination for the moment. Canines, of course, the leading culprits here. Puppies three times more likely to do the deed. In one out of four cases, the pets did the damage while the person was actually using the device. Yes, that would be me. Power cord, phone call, interrupted puppy. Yeah. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. I wish I were your dog. Why is that? Because you're so good. I am an attentive mom, maybe a little over attentive. I can I can definitely be kind of like a, a doggy soccer mom. <laughs> I'm very I'm very involved in my dog's upbringing, and I'm very uh, I'm a tough parent, and I am a tough um, client for the veterinarian. <laughs> oh, I bet you are. You don't take your dog to another veterinarian, though. Um, no, I, I allow my husband to do most of the bad stuff, um, the mean stuff, and, and I do all the, you know, routine things. But uh, I'm a mama, so, you know, I can't look at my baby as a patient. She's my baby. That must be hard. <laughs> I know that uh, my dad, who was a doctor, would never work on anybody in the family just because, I guess, they, it was too close. And that's sort of the policy in human medicine, but not so, I guess, for veterinary medicine. Oh, that's cool, man. Was your dad a general practitioner? No, he was a gynecologist. Really? <laughs> that explains a lot. Yeah. yeah, I was I was bummed because I never got to go to take your kid to work day with him. 
which is <laughs> for good reason. I'll tell you. All he had were sons. Uh, you know who we have on the phone? This is kind of cool. We're always talking about compulsive behaviors that some dogs have, anxious dogs, what they'll do when they're anxious. And there's a book out, brand new book out called Animal Madness, How Anxious Dogs, Compulsive Parrots, and Elephants in Recovery Help Us Understand Ourselves. And the author, Laurel Braitman, is on the phone. Hi, Laurel. How are you doing? Hey, good. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. So now, a quick synopsis without giving away the book. What is a, a, a summary of what's going on in it? Oh, well, almost a decade ago now, I adopted a Bernie's Mountain Dog. He was a rescue, and for the first six months, he was just a dream dog, sweet, affectionate, fine. And then he developed uh, debilitating separation anxiety and a number of other problems. And After six months? On, yeah, he was Ooh. fine for six months. Um, but he wound up on liver-flavored Prozac and Valium and all kinds of other things, and I just was shocked. I'd only heard a rumor of dogs being on these kinds of drugs, and I decided to try and get to the bottom of this. Like, how, how do these drugs get inside of our veterinary clinics, and why? And do they work in the same way in, uh, in other animals as they do in us? Mm. Did they work for your dog? The Prozac didn't, but the Valium did. He had severe thunderstorm anxiety. And as long as we could drug him a half an hour before the storm hit with Valium, he didn't panic so much. Whatever uh, causes a dog to start having separation anxiety after six months, was there an event that triggered that? No. In fact, uh, what I found through talking actually with a lot of um, child psychiatrists, too, is that this is a fairly common thing. A lot of us, when we have... um, a disruptive life event, we're, we're sort of on our best behavior for a little while. And not until we feel more comfortable do, does our anxiety begin to surface. It's almost like we can keep a lid on those things um, in, until we feel okay. So ironically, him feeling a little bit safer with us might have made those symptoms manifest about six months in. Wow. You were talking about Prozac. Now, Nike, the studio cat here, is on Prozac, has been on Prozac for how long, Judy? Quite a few years, quite, yeah. Quite a few years. He's nervous cat. He paces. He paces. What What else was wrong with him? He uh, was He's urinating. Spraying. He was spraying and pacing all over the house and just stopping and spraying. Has and Prozac made a difference for him? Oh, yeah. You know, he hasn't sprayed in years, and he doesn't pace the house anymore. He's he still, you know, he still has a little bit of anxiety, but he's a much calmer cat now. He's actually able to lay down and go to sleep during the day where before he would just be on the the pace up and down up the stairs every window. He just couldn't relax. Yeah. What kind of case studies are you finding? Are you finding that it is successful or not successful? You know, it seems to be about as successful in other animals as it is in humans. That is, it really depends on the cat. I'm thrilled it worked for Nike. You know, for many other cats and for dogs like my dog and, frankly, for lots of gorillas and whales on this medication, too, there's not a one-size-fits-all. There's not one antidepressant or one anti-anxiety med that works for everyone. And we've found that with human medicine. Um, you know, we're, we're all such individuals, and you can't treat us at the species level. Um, so I think the drugs can be helpful, but it really depends on your cat or your parrot um, or your bonobo. Do they have mental illnesses, the same mental illnesses that humans have? I think that we suffer from very similar forms of mental illness. And by we, I mean a hell of a lot of the animal kingdom. Um, some of the most common mental problems in humans stem from fear and anxiety. So the most po- the most common mental disorders after addiction or fear and anxiety disorders in people. And fear and anxiety is something that we share with most of the animal kingdom. You know, it's, it's helpful when it keeps us from danger. 
The problem is when we feel fear and anxiety in situations that don't call for it, and it keeps us from leading a happy, normal life. And and I did see instances of that throughout the animal kingdom. Um, you know, I didn't really look at insects very much or sure. um, crustaceans, but uh, certainly it's true in mammals, a lot of birds, and even some invertebrates. Do you find that people are trying to find a quick fix or just reaching for the pills, or are they actually trying to get to the bottom and solve the problem? You know, it depends on the pet owner. And it depends on the zoo, frankly. I mean, I think this, the particularly, you know, using antipsychotics in, say, gorillas or wombats when they're, they seem compulsive or upset. Well, well what know, makes a compulsive not... wombat? That's just what I want to know. <laughs> what upsets him? <laughs> a compulsive huh. wombat often um, waves their little paws in the air backwards as if they're doing like a land back paddle <laughs> to nowhere. I do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so but if a wombat is, you know, doing that awful back paddle, but they're doing it because they're unhappy in their zoo exhibit, you know, then I think it's ethically dubious and not fair to medicate them into compliance with a situation they shouldn't be in. That said, you know, when, when you look at a case like, you know, Nike the cat, I mean, you, you, you guys have really, like, enhanced Nike's quality of life. So I, I think it depends on the situation. But I think in general, like with people, you know, they, they can be a crutch. Um, if you need more exercise and that would that would make you feel better and help lift your depression, you should be doing that in addition to medication. Did you learn any techniques for working with your dog besides medication? Did you find any ways that you could help your dog? Like, let's say the thunderstorm. You know, when I, when I help a dog who's afraid of fireworks or thunderstorms, we just take walks in thunderstorms. We have a good time in the thunderstorm, and slowly over time, I've been able to change the association of fear to pleasure in a lot of dogs. Fantastic. Yes, I did try that with him. Medication, in my case, was sort of a last resort. Uh, he one day became so panicked. Uh, he'd only been left alone for about two hours, and there was no thunderstorm. But he became so anxious that he pushed our window air conditioning unit out of the way, chewed a hole through our screen, and jumped out of our fourth floor apartment. And oh so my gosh! He he was he, and he survived, and he was so he was an extreme case, um, you know. But so before I tried the medication with him. You know, we did, yes, behavioral modification training. I tried to give him treats during thunderstorms. We played him sounds of thunder um, when there weren't storms to try and get him used to it. Uh, we tried exposing him to lots of other animals. We hired dog walkers. I mean, I really, I, I tried herbs. Now, are you uh, uh, typically a nervous person? Uh, yeah, I know that. You sound, I know that. Oh, you sound like a nervous. Well, yeah. well, my cat reflects me totally. If I'm ill, my cat's <laughs> ill. Our moods are the same. You do sound like you do live life on the edge. There, maybe a little stressed. Does that? I mean, yeah. Let me let me ask you this question: what? When you were going through this whole process, and you know, your dog was developing this severe separation anxiety, what did it do to you? I mean, didn't it make you a nervous wreck? As, after he jumped out of the house, that's when it became really difficult for me and, and my ex-husband, my, my husband at the time, um, because we couldn't leave him alone. I mean, he was 120 pounds um, and he could be really destructive and he could really hurt himself. And so that was really stressful. And um, I do think in general animals, of course, you know, they're so intuitive, often much more intuitive than we are, particularly to nonverbal cues. We're with Laurel Breitman, the author of Animal Madness, How Anxious Dogs, Compulsive Parrots, and Elephants in Recovery Help Us Understand Ourselves. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, what about this anthropomorphism stuff? Thinking your animals feel something that you might feel as a human? Do they really? We'll find out next.
Tanya Tucker on Animal Radio. Love those pets. Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio Studio stunt dog, Ladybug, uses the brilliant pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks, and the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating our connection with our pets, we are with Laurel Braitman. She's the author of Animal Madness. How anxious dogs, compulsive parrots, and elephants in recovery help us understand ourselves. Let me ask you this question. When you were going through this whole process and, you know, your dog was developing this severe separation anxiety, what did it do to you? I mean, didn't it make you a nervous wreck and you were just so concerned and you couldn't sleep and you were freaking out the whole time? I'm sure he was picking up on my anxiety. There's no way he couldn't have been. But I wouldn't say mine started first. Like, I was so overjoyed to have a dog. Sure. And and I'm not generally a nervous person, although, I don't know, I'm on the radio right now, so maybe I sound more nervous than normal. Well, uh, but, do, uh, when you give him a Valium, just, do you just, just so put it in half? I'm just so curious to talk to you. Just, <laughs> I could talk to you for hours. I, I wish I could have been around what, when you were dealing with your dog. I just would love to see what was going on. I just am fascinated because, you know, I've seen dogs develop anxiety a lot of times. And, yeah, sometimes it's just in the dog. You know, Like you say, you know, there's no other way to help them than with medication. But a lot of times it's the owner causes the whole thing you know and that's just what alan i was gonna say is that this can, i cannot stress enough the importance of early exposures and socializing puppies and kittens when yeah. they're young and it, it isn't always that the the behaviors these kind of fears develop later they, we just don't provide them with the tools to cope with those noises or those new things when they're really young and then that starts to manifest when they're older so uh, really puppies and kittens get them around noises get them around new people new things because that'll yep. go a long yep. way that's Sure. Well, that's why Ladybug's not socialized at all, is because she hasn't been around young or yeah. any animals. So, and now well, when she is, she's years. afraid of them. Yeah. yeah. In your book, you talk a little bit about the usefulness of anthropomorphism. Well, so anthropomorphism or the projection of human desires and motivations and viewpoints onto other animals usually gets a bad name. Yes. Um, and I think those of us who live with other creatures, you know, we do it anyway. Like, like most people have a secret voice they use. Um, to talk for their dogs, you know. <laughs> um, or we have conversations. I know my editor talks to her cat. Sure. Outing her here, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, most of us, we, we have these, like, secret lives with our other animals but no one's paying attention, and we feel sort of ashamed about that. And I think, I think that's ridiculous. I actually think we should be public about that because identifying with them often helps us help them. But do we put uh, diseases, it, names on them just because we as humans suffer them? Like if if I'm depressed, do I think my animal is depressed? Or if I'm bipolar, do I think my animal is bipolar? I mean, most people I talk to know, you know, that there is, there is a pretty healthy separation. You know, the thing is, though, is identifying with your animal and realizing what their version of normal is mm-hmm. helps you understand when there's a change in their behavior. Um, so it's not the same as, as you projecting your own feelings onto them. Okay. Um, instead, I think, you know, it's a way of, of thinking about changes in their behavior that can sometimes be minute and easy to overlook. And if you're paying a lot of good attention to your creature, 
and you have an understanding that they can suffer from depression or OCD, then you're going to notice it if it happens. This is all very intriguing. Yes, it is. It's uh, made me... I'm going to take one of these books here, Judy. Is that okay? Yeah. How many copies do we have? Well, we have five, so now we're... Hey, I'm sorry. We have so many questions, but we're so (laughs) so out of time here. Laurel Braitman, thank you so much for joining us. The book is called Animal Madness, How Anxious Dogs, Compulsive Parrots, and Elephants in Recovery Help Us Understand Ourselves. I'll put links over at the website at animalradio.com, and maybe we'll have you on again. That would be my pleasure. You're awesome. You did a great job. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm a big fan. Thank you. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, very cool thing I want to tell you about on on this uh, installment of Party Animal with your host, Vinny Penn. That's me. I'm sure you animal lovers out there are well aware of this. But for those of you who aren't, I'm very excited to bring this to your attention. My sister and her children were visiting for the past two weeks uh, at the end of the summer here. And they put their new dog, Ringo, in a video kennel. And they were able to log on every day and check on Ringo. Uh, the The camera was aimed right at me. I heard my nephews, Ricky and Jay, what the Ringo sleeping, Ma, look at Ringo sleeping. I mean, this is great for all of those people out there who still have a little bit of paranoia when it comes to, uh, you know, leaving the peppy. I, you know, all you do is have the kennel owner's words when you go back. I mean... The fact of the matter is uh, kennels are, are fantastic. There's more than enough loving kennels out there. But every once in a while, you know, you hear your horror stories. There wouldn't be 2020 or primetime live without those kinds of horror stories. What would Barbara Walters do outside of the view? Uh, um, but it was great now. There was so much peace of mind. The boys were worried about the, the, the Ringo every day. And to be able to tune in in the morning and watch him in action, watch him chasing a ball uh, was great. I mean, every day. They started off in a great mood, except for the day I had to explain to them what dry humping was and why Ringo was behaving in that manner. But uh, my sister Julie says they're going to resolve that issue as soon as they get home. Um, uh, But nonetheless, what a beautiful thing to be able to tune in and see him playing and log in and and uh, their video kennels. uh, They live out in Nevada, out in Las Vegas. So you think. The boys would know about dry humping already, especially Ricky. He's 12 uh, and living in Vegas. Uh, But they've got to be all over. And if they aren't, they're definitely something that's going to be happening. Video kennels, it's peace of mind for a couple of dollars. Even if it's not a couple of dollars, it is peace of mind for your pet. Vinny Penn, Party Animal on Animal Radio. That's all we have time for today. Hey, thanks for joining us. In between now and next week, download the Animal Radio app. Do it now. It's a free download for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Bye-bye. Bye. Keep barking. This is Animal Radio Network.